0: Acts chapter 2, verses 22 to 41. Men of Israel, hear these words Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know, this Jesus, delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified. And killed by the hands of lawless men. God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. For David says concerning him, I saw the Lord always before me, for he is at my right hand that I may not be shaken. Therefore, my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. My flesh also will dwell in hope, Well, anyone who follows and or understands the seasons of the church are probably very surprised with the Bible reading that I've chosen for today, because well, Acts chapter two is it's traditionally a passage that gets read at Pentecost or Whit Sunday, um, which actually occurs fifty days after Easter Sunday, and here we are on Easter Sunday. Pentecost was originally a Jewish harvest festival, but but it was also the day that the Holy Spirit came upon the church. There were crowds of people there from all over the known world, and they'd all come together to gather in Jerusalem for the harvest festival, the Pentecost. And, and that was the day that God chose for the Holy Spirit to come upon the church. But I've chosen today's reading... Because it records one of the most powerful sermons on the resurrection that's ever been preached. Filled with the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Peter, who's a bloke who before he was filled with the Spirit, wasn't wasn't very bold. Um, Let's face it, he was was locked behind closed doors and and he's the one who cowered um, and denied Jesus three times on the night of his betrayal but it's this same Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, stood up before his Jewish compatriots and he proclaimed the resurrection of Jesus Christ and he urged them to repent and and to be baptised. And on that day, 3,000 people were added to the church. Now, this was a risky thing for Peter to do. He he was risking a confrontation. And he levels an accusation at them. You lot killed Jesus. Do you have any idea what it is that you've done? The Holy Spirit, who you can see now working in us at the moment, he was sent by Jesus because Jesus lives. Righto? So let's follow Peter's message. Firstly, he tells them that they should have known that Jesus of Nazareth was a man of God. Well how should they have known well God attested to this fact by his mighty works and by the signs and the wonders that Jesus did before their very eyes and in their very presence but they didn't they didn't pay any attention to that Jesus offended them and they killed him but the second thing that Peter reveals is that the betrayal of Jesus and the arrest of Jesus and the execution of Jesus was according to God's definite plan and foreknowledge. Right? It wasn't some kind of horrendous act where God goes, oh, no, I'd better try and come up with a, with a second best scenario. I wasn't expecting that to happen. That wasn't that at all. And it wasn't that, that those Jews were any worse than anybody else that, that Jesus was crucified. This was all part of God's definite plan and his foreknowledge. Thirdly, another part of God's plan was that God raised Jesus up from the dead. And I love the phrase here in, in verse 24. It says, God raised him up loosing the pangs of death, because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Now, the Greek word that gets used there for, for pangs, odinus, um, it's for pangs of death. When that word usually gets used in the Bible, it's usually to do with birth pains. And isn't that a great description for what death was for Christ. And isn't it a wonderful description for what death is for us? We go through the pain of death. But for those who are in Christ and for Jesus himself, it was like birth pains being born to eternal life. And, and Peter's giving us an image that the pangs of death were like bonds, right? Death was like a bond trying to hold Jesus, but it was not possible for those bonds of death to hold Jesus. Now, obviously, during the week, I've um, I've read this passage numerous times, and every single time that I've read it and read those words that it was not possible for him to be held by death, my mind went straight to a, a song that I really enjoy by Jeff Bullock. It's an older one now. Um, where he goes, death could not hold him down, for he is risen. That's just where my mind went every time I read that. But why? Why was it impossible for death to hold Jesus down? Well, it was impossible because God had spoken through the prophets already and God had decreed, that Jesus would be raised from the dead. Peter took the crowd to Psalm 16 to explain this. Psalm 16 had been written by David. But as you read it, it becomes quite obvious that it's not about David. And Peter makes the case that that in this psalm, David was prophesying. When David wrote that psalm, he was actually writing about Jesus Right, so David had written, For you will not abandon my soul to Hades, or let your holy one see corruption. But Peter makes the case here well, well this David bloke, we know that he's long dead. We even know where his tomb is. I mean, David can't be saying this about himself. What, what's happening is David is prophesying, he's talking about somebody else, and who's he talking about? Jesus. Verse 31, he says, he foresaw and spoke about the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to Hades, nor did his flesh see corruption. Right? So it was foretold, uh, it was God's decree that Jesus would be raised. Fourthly, Jesus is exalted at the right hand of God. Humanity tried their best to crush him and, and to end his life completely. But the end result was Jesus is exalted. He's beside, he's at the right hand of God. Fifthly, Jesus sends his Holy Spirit so that he can be with us today. That, uh, that, that was what was capturing everybody's attention there in, in Acts chapter 2 at, at the Harvest Festival. Right? He, the coming of the Holy Spirit and the signs that accompanied the coming of the Holy Spirit um, was evidence that Jesus had been raised from the dead as well. And, and this all comes now to the pinnacle of Peter's message. Verse 36. Let all the house of Israel therefore know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ this Jesus whom you crucified. Now, I wanna, how do you reckon that you would feel if you were in their shoes at that point? Can you imagine this? Uh, oh no, what have we done? Imagine, imagine the repu- retribution that they would be in store for. Uh, you know what we've just done? We've just crucified the Son of God. Oops, my bad. I mean, when it comes to rulers, it's pretty important, don't you think, that that um, when you pick a side, that you pick a winner, right? Even even in the in the government of our country today, when somebody challenges for the top job of Prime Minister which seems to be happening a lot more regular than what we think it should be happening. Um, I think we've had about six prime ministers in the last 11 years. Um, But when somebody makes a challenge, if you're a part of the party room, then it's pretty important that you cast your vote on the winning side. Because if you don't, and the person that you're supporting loses... You know what happens? E- even good ministers, people who have served their nation well, if they don't choose the winning contender, their spot in cabinet is gone. Uh, the winning prime minister they only want to have their local supporters, sorry, their loyal supporters on board, and and so anybody who doesn't support him, they get demoted. And of course, it was far more brutal in Jesus' day. I mean, if if one king was deposing another and if you didn't pick the winning side and you supported the king that lost or the contender who lost, the new king would have your head, literally, he'd have your head on a pike. So imagine what those people must have been feeling. Oh, bother, we've crucified the Christ. We rejected him. We killed him. But God has exalted him and his Lord. <gasps> What's going to happen to us now? Verse 37. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All right, so for these people, all hope was not lost. Yes, they had rejected the Messiah, but there was still hope for them. And the message for them is the same as the message for us today. Peter said in verse 39. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. All right, that's us. Many people today reject Jesus, but let's face the facts. Uh, Disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, well, we are truly in the minority. And when Peter preached his listeners realised that they were in trouble. There had to be consequences for their rejection of Jesus. But then we can think about ourselves and go, oh yeah, but it's not the same for us. It's It's not like we crucified him like what they did. But the crucifixion was but a mere result of the real issue at hand. What was the real issue at play here was rejection. They rejected the Christ. They rejected the Lord. Verse 40. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. That all sounds very judgmental, doesn't it? I mean, these people, they were religious people. They, they, and they were probably the most religious people there. They were there for the festival. They'd travelled from all parts of the world, for goodness sake. And, and he's calling them a crooked generation. That sounds very judgmental. Oh, goodness, I wonder what on earth he would say about our culture. Now, I want you to know that the gospel critiques every culture. And it critiques every individual within the culture. And in our society, yeah, sure, there's some good stuff. But there's also a lot of bad. And increasingly so. Our nation and our society have gone against God. Our lawmakers reject God's law. Our population largely reject Christ. Is this not obvious that, that here in the pandemic, um, one of, in one of the first round of closures that happened, they brought into being that, that meeting together to worship the Lord Jesus Christ was banned? Yeah, you know, it was like the, the attitude was you Christians, you, you can't meet together anymore. That's not essential. Not essential. I think it's one of the most, most essential things is for us to worship together. And I probably won't make many friends today, but I'm going to say it anyway. In many ways, the Australian way, the Aussie way, it ain't God's way. Peter was preaching to a crooked generation. And so am I. And, and you might feel, well, that's very judgmental. I'm not going to listen to you anymore. But it is what it is. But, but what does it mean? A crooked generation. In the original Greek, it says, tais gennaeus, tais The generation, the crooked. It, but but it, as you say, it, it almost sounds like a crooked species, right? Genius. Um, we, we use the word genius when we talk about the animal kingdom and what separates animals from animals. And scolias means crooked. Um, a generation, you see, it, it isn't simply one level of a family tree. When, when the scriptures are talking about a crooked generation, they're talking, talking about the wholesale human rejection of God. And that whole generation, not just a level of family tree, but the whole human human species is twisted. Uh, Let me explain this. A lot of medical conditions derive their name from the Greek language. A lot of of medical terms come from Greek roots. And some of you will have heard and know what scoliosis is. Um, Comes from that same word. here's a picture up on the screen, it's an abnormal curvature of the spine, right? The spine is curved, the the spine is crooked, the spine is twisted, the spine is not how it's supposed to be. And, And that's what the biblical image of a crooked generation is about. All humanity, we were all created to be in an intimate relationship with God and when we reject God we are twisting what we're actually meant to be that's what it means to be a crooked generation and in fact in the new testament crooked generation or or a perverse generation depending on what translation you're reading um, is used to refer to when people reject Jesus Now, a lot of us, we we might have a bit of a self-righteous streak to ourselves and we feel, well, that's not very fair, Michael. I mean, I'm not a crook. I'm not perverse. But what we need to understand is that the perversion and what defines us as being crooked is simply the rejection of Christ. That's all it takes. And if we reject Christ... We are just as bad as those people who crucified him. The remedy? Repent and be baptised. Now, let me be clear. This isn't just a picture of, oh, gee, I'm I'm sorry about that, um, and then continue on my merry way. To repent is to completely change our attitude toward Jesus. It is such a radical transformation that Jesus described it as being born again. It's where we stop living for self and we start living for Christ. And and the seriousness of what this commitment is about is tied up with baptism. Baptism isn't just some fancy religious rite that we do. Baptism is the symbol of, of the killing of the old man and the raising up of the new. When we go down into the water, we're being buried with Christ. And as we come up out of the water again, we're we're being raised to eternal life with Christ. It means something. Now, here's the thing. And, And this is why I've chosen this reading for today, for Resurrection Sunday. Those who repent... Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and are baptized. These people leave their old sinful life behind. We are now in an intimate relationship with Jesus, which means we're not twisted anymore. We're not crooked anymore. We are now right with God because we're back in relationship with Him. And He is present with us through His Holy Spirit. And because Jesus is raised, we will be raised too. So, who are you? I don't, I don't mean, what's your name? I don't want to know your first name. I don't want to know your surname. Well, I do. I want to get to know you better. But I'm asking, where are you at with Jesus? Are you a crooked, twisted perversion of what God intends us to be because you continue to reject Christ? Or have you been made right with God and you're now in relationship with him? Or are you at the stage of those people who, who the Apostle Peter was preaching to, who were cut to the heart, but they didn't yet know, well, what do we do? What do I have to do to get right with God? Well, here's the answer. Repent and be baptized. (laughs) You know, traditionally, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday is a day for baptisms. They've gone and closed the Jolly River for for the Easter weekend because of this pandemic crisis. Um, But I'll tell you what, if you want to be baptized, I'm pretty sure we can find a way to do it. We're going to pray right now. And if for you, you're praying this prayer and you mean it, but you haven't yet been baptised, I urge you to contact me. Or, or if you're not from our church, contact some elders or, or the pastor from your own church to discuss with them about how you can be baptised. Uh, if you want to get in contact with me, It's easy. Just go to www.bushdisciples.church and you'll find our contact details there. And we can talk about baptism. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we want to give you praise for this glorious Resurrection Sunday. We acknowledge that you are the Christ. God attested to you by the, the signs and the wonders that you did. And through your resurrection, it is is both proof and promotion. You are now exalted to Lord. Lord Jesus Christ, we are sorry for our rejection of you. And Lord, we repent of this. We repent of all that is perverse and twisted. And we no longer reject you. We embrace you as our Lord. Holy Spirit. Be with us, be near us, be in us. And Heavenly Father, we praise you, not just as the Lord, but as our Lord, as my Lord. In the true sense of the word, we yield ourselves totally to you. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your forgiveness that you give us, which we did not deserve. And we thank you that you don't give us the judgment that we do deserve, but the precious salvation that we could never earn through the blood of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Amen.